Okay, welcome back to the Construction Mentor Podcast. My name is Ike. I am your host. You can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, at the Construction Mentor. You can check out this podcast on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify. Today, I want to get back into the interview format, sharing people's success stories. And to do that, I have the host of the Sparky Life Podcast, a woman in construction, an electrician actually in the field who's actually moving up in the world. Her podcast is top 1% in the world. And I think today... I'm officially top 1% because I hit that 21st episode, which most people don't get there. But uh, Leah, Leah Lamella, she is a badass. She wears boots. She's an electrician. And like I said, she's work, she's uh, working her way up in the world. So welcome, Leah. Leah, how are you? Excellent. Thank you so much for having me here. I recognized that as I was going through your social media today. And I was just trying to get brushed up on you and your content and what you deliver. And I think it's awesome. Everybody should go follow her. But in your intro, you had an awesome line to your podcast. And it says that you went from Botox to bolts. Can you talk about that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I was in medical aesthetics for a decade, almost a little more than a decade. And going from a super feminine industry to then a super masculine industry was just an amazing experience. So what were you doing? I mean, were you literally like in a Botox um, shop, office? What do they call those? Salon. So I did laser, <laughs> uh, medical um, aesthetic locations can vary, but I worked with a plastic surgeon and we offered, you know, youth rejuvenating treatments, laser, uh, PicoShore, uh, removing solar lentigo, which is like your sunspots, making the skin uh, vibrant and youthful gotcha. and, and producing collagen. So you're there and you're I in a feminine tattoo industry. Removal. And tattoo removal. Okay. So you're there and you're yes. in the feminine industry. And then some a light bulb went off. You said, I'm going to jump from the feminine world into the masculine world. And what was that light bulb? Why? <laughs> So not exactly. Uh, I was in medical aesthetics and I wanted more. I wanted to own my own place. And the laws are have gotten, as I moved through my journey, my career as a medical esthetician, the laws changed. And you needed a nurse practitioner's license or, um, you know, an MD in order to own a facility and operate a facility. So I was contemplating going back from nursing and I didn't want to just jump back into college because my college experience wasn't positive. I, I'm like in ridiculous amounts of debt. It, it, it didn't help me with my career choice. I mean, I know that there was value in the different cultures and studying abroad and, you know, those things were great, but regarding focusing on a career a career track and identifying what kind of lifestyle do I want for myself uh, financial stability college did not facilitate that in any way <laughs> so well if you um, want to become a business owner if I you want to become a business owner as well it's it's tough to uh, take a nursing degree and, and own something too right like I feel like for most I don't know what 95 99 percent of nurses there is a kind of a ceiling, right? 
yes, there, there is a ceiling, but I, I, I knew that I could build the facility with that licensing in the state I, I was at at that mm -hmm. time. And in order to make sure that this was the right choice, I walked into a phlebotomy medical assistant. So more licensing, quick uh, ability to obtain in order to be in that environment and decide, do I really want to do this? Because in order to get that nurse practitioner license, I have to do time in an actual hospital. I have to be around physicians. Do I want to do this? It's going to take much longer. So while I was in that world, <laughs> strangely enough, a, a high school sweetheart reached out to me and I moved from that state and he was involved in commercial fishing and being an entrepreneur, I saw a business opportunity uh, making specialty rods and rigs and the whole nursing thing went out the window and I opened up uh, Out East Fishing. So that's how that happened. And then I lost everything. <laughs> And what age, what age are you at this point? Are you, are you like mid twenties, late twenties? What are, what age are you at that point? At that point, I was late twenties at that point, late twenties. Okay. So, so early thirties. So okay. So you lost everything. So now this is interesting for several reasons to me, because uh, number one, you went, you were, in a very feminine world, right? And that's what you knew. And then you went to the kind of the fishing thing. And I think a lot of young people that I talk to, I know a lot of young women, they don't understand or they're unaware or unsure of um, their ability to be feminine in the, in the construction industry. But I also probably once every two weeks, I have someone in my DMs like, hey, how do I get in the industry at my age? And they think they're old. And some of those people are in the 40s, <laughs> some of those people in their 30s. So talk about those two things. I mean, you, you had two things that I think a lot of people would assume are stacked against them. You're a woman, you're not in your first step of life after high school, but you saw an opportunity in the construction industry, right? Yes. So that situation, I, I'm a domestic violence survivor and I basically walked away with my car, my dog and my two cats. I was living in a woman's shelter. I was at the lowest point in my life I've ever been. I mean, ground zero and had no clue what I was going to do. No clue. My brother-in-law said, hey, why don't you try the skilled trades? There's this female uh, trade school, um, all female trade school. Why don't you, you know, attempt to get in there? And at that time I was like, you fucking, like, I have no money. What do you like? What do you think? Right. Like, look at, look at where I am. And he said he heard actually over a podcast, uh, that they, they were doing like the scholarship thing and that you can apply. And I applied and I happened to get a full ride. And that's how I walked wow. into the skilled trades out of desperation, out of needing to build income significantly from ground zero. So it was originally a financial decision. Wow. I So I was unaware um, that that was your life situation. And I think a lot of people could benefit from that. 
so where was that school? And if, I mean, would you recommend that school to uh, any young women from what area were you in at that time? I was in West Virginia and I would a hundred percent recommend uh, them. Unfortunately, that nonprofit did not survive. So there, that schooling, that whole program did not survive. It's, it's, no longer the the same facility that I went through mm. is no longer in existence as far as I know. Um, it's another reason why I'm, I'm working on a project right now to create a nonprofit for skilled trades, to create a, a way to bring people in where they are not having to pay to do the apprenticeship. We're paying them to do the apprenticeship and creating a similar environment because it was so successful for me. You know, you, you touch on something and I try to hammer this home with everybody and plumbers are usually the best example that I can think of because it's like kids in high school that they always hear like, do what you love. Right. And it's like, guys, a plumber doesn't necessarily love the way pipes smell. Okay. Like <laughs> that, it's not like that smell gets them going, right? but, but you might have and if you identify, if you identify a purpose, then maybe that enables you to your plumbing skills enable you to help other people. And you've identified that very clearly with your experience in the trades. And it took you from West Virginia to now you're in the tri-state area, right? New Jersey, you're, you're New Jersey. Right. Um, so talk about that. Talk about how that skill set that you were able to get at that trade school, did it make it an easy transition? Like where you, how'd you find employment? What was that like? Because a, a lot of, um, I try to, I try to let people know and make sure they understand that when you get a skill set in this industry, your ability to move around and, and give yourself flexibility is, is a positive. Oh, a hundred percent. That's one of the things I love about the skill traits is the ability to move around and shape your lifestyle however you want to go, especially in electrical. So I'm, I'm prejudiced to uh, electrical track <laughs> because I'm an electrician. Uh, so this is one of the main driving factors I want to create the school and I'm in the process of uh, working with an entity I cannot speak of at this moment until things are solidified. But basically, the school not only set me up for success by having me get the accreditations that I needed and the licensings that I needed as an apprentice to step into the world of skilled trades, but then they found locations, con you know, construction companies, and had us go out there. They, they, sought after business owners who would welcome a female presence. So they made sure that we had a job lined up when we topped out of that program. And that to me was like, this, this is the way this should go. Like you should be setting me up for success, helping open doors for me so that I can move forward with this career path. So it was such an incredible experience that um, they helped give me the the experience of uh, like interviewing at different places and and knowing how to present myself in a successful way that I was able to get my first job with an electrical company and and that's kind of what started the whole thing now 
originally I walked in to an electrical company and not knowing that they had union. So they had electricians that were non-union and then they had union. So different names, different jobs for different things. So the, the union aspect, they went over options for me and I felt like, okay, they're going to set certain things up like a pension and this and that. And so I want to step into the union apprenticeship and see where this takes me. And that's how I entered the union. Gotcha. So you, again, and obviously West Virginia, I think is not really like a union area. So then you move to New Jersey, which has a very strong union. I do a lot of work in New Jersey and you um, were able to get into an apprenticeship program there. Right. I w- I went from West Virginia to Virginia. So okay. the union, the company I was with was in Virginia at the time. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. And, and then. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no. Um, I basically learned that the IBEW requires five years to top out to get your journeyman's license and being an older student stepping into this field, coming from ground zero, I've got bills to pay. I did in three years what it takes most to do in four or five. So I- And was it, was it an hourly? Three years. So you hit via four. overtime classroom Hour hours. Oh, so you, you tested out. Yes. Okay. I had no life for three years. And then I <laughs> took the- um, a national journeyman exam, which is a four hour exam and got my licensing. So talk about this, talk about that. And you don't have to go um, into huge detail, but I see this comment in my DMs all the time. And they're like, you know, I can't afford to go or, you know, I'll say something about a journeyman rate that, you know, journeyman union electrician in New Jersey or New York makes over a hundred grand a year before they even head yeah. overtime. Um, and they'll say, well, that's not what it is to start. You know, you make $15 an hour to start or whatever it is. And it's like, okay, but you're not getting in debt and you're getting a skill at that rate. Was that worth it when you had bills to pay to kind of take a step back? I mean, it's only a finite amount of time, right? Like, you know that you're going to hit, there's light at the end of the tunnel and you know where those check marks are, right? Like, was it worth it? Oh, a hundred percent. It was worth it. Like a hundred percent, it was worth it. It changed my life in so many ways because working in the skilled trades, it's not just about the money. Okay. Forget the fact that they set you up for financial success where you can choose what type of lifestyle will work for you. You can choose if you want to be in the morning and you want to be in finished buildings and you want to do building automation. That is an option. If you want to be a building engineer and just kind of take care of one location, be there day in and day out, that's an option. If you want to be in a power distribution yard, that's an, like the, you can construct how you want your day. You want to work nights? You don't like mornings? No problem. Like th- this is the beauty of it. And they give you a salary you can actually live on, not paycheck to paycheck. So Forget that. Put that to aside. That's already a huge win, right? In the skilled trades, nothing prepared me in life for problem solving, building my confidence, accelerating my learning, like working in the skilled trades. Construction, Murphy's Law. Can go wrong, will go wrong. <laughs> like, oh, big time. So you have to think on your feet. 
<laughs> you gotta pivot, right? And I became the woman I always deep down inside knew I was, but I didn't have the confidence, the self-love. I mean, after that experience, I didn't even know who I was anymore. And when I was looking around me, you know, working as an electrician building, I was, I was always called like the Tigger, right? So I'm like, let's go guys, ready for the day. What are we going to do? And I was super excited to I just see that. be there, just to have, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what else are we going to learn? That's the other thing that the skilled trades offer that not many other careers do. You are constantly learning. If you choose, you can move up. You can, if, if you're like, okay, I'm done on the field. I want to be in an office now. No problem. Like the, the, it's just, it's endless on how you can construct the life you want to live. So I'm super excited to be so, there and I'm looking around at me. So I, before you get too far away from it, you said something that I, I, I hate to interrupt you, but I think is really impactful. No, no, go, right? go ahead. So from where you came as a woman who was experiencing domestic violence and who had everything ripped away from them. And it sounded like it was probably because your means uh, of providing for yourself and for anybody around you was tied to that relationship. What percent of you or what chunk so, of you is worried about your ability to provide for yourself in the future, given the education you have now? Oh, I'm not worried. I'll always be fine. I'll always have financial stability now. So my, I was engaged. We were going to be married and I built the business with him tied to it. So when I had to literally flee the state for my life, everything was gone, everything in, a, in an instant. So now with being an electrician, a licensed electrician and continuing my education, I'm going to be studying for NICE at level one. I plan on going to level four. I'm also, there's another electrical uh, course that I'm in the process of considering regarding inspection. Like, the sky is the limit. I can keep growing in this field and we need electricity. <laughs> it's not going to go away. Always. No. <laughs> so I can I, tell you, I can tell you um, how quickly it becomes hunger games I after going through a hurricane last year. When we went through the hunger, the hurricane last year, after like 48 yes. hours, it was like the goddamn hunger games down in Florida. I'll tell you that. <laughs> A hundred percent, a hundred percent. But this is another thing. We are the foundation of civilization. You take away electrical, you take away water, you take away, you know, that roof over your head and the worst of humanity comes out of us because then it's about survival. It And, and there is no moral code at that point. It's I'm going to live. And I know, I know what that's like. So why are we not pushing to help elevate the society and welcoming people into skilled trades. I don't get it. Yeah. Not only welcoming them, not only welcoming them, but backtracking. You, know, you and I, you and I, you and I, both of our platforms are about grabbing people by the hand and yanking them through the door. Don't, don't just simply show, show them that the door is open. Right. You talked, you, you just mentioned the worst of, of yes. society. Right. And when you and I had a conversation before, um, we had talked about men uh, versus women in construction. And I think there's a 
I know there is a perception by people not in the industry that men in construction are like a pack of wild hyenas that can't help themselves when they see a woman walk by. And when a woman is looking at the industry as a possibility, <laughs> that might that might be something that deters them or scares them. Talk about your experience uh, coming in and coming in, you know, even in New Jersey <laughs> and, and finishing your apprenticeship out in the field. Like, are se- sexual harassment? Is it a pack of hyenas where guys can't help themselves and you feel unsafe, especially as a woman who's seen the worst of of men in your own life? So it's the same that you would have come across in a corporate setting. It's the same as, you know, your average, like, it. unfortunately, the stats are scary at how, how many women experience sexual harassment. But the guys are not a pack of hyenas. There's great guys in the field, gentlemen. And there are some assholes, just like any other industry you would step into. I would say the challenges in a male-dominated field have nothing to do with the sexual harassment part of it. It does happen. A hundred percent it happens. But it's not like every single woman who walks into this field has then a sexual harassment issue or feels threatened. It's not like that especially and do you feel do you feel like it's even acceptable behavior for most men out there like like if most men that you've worked with if they witness that happen would they just let it happen or encourage it i've been in situations where men have let it happen which listen there's a human element to this it's very hard to put involve yourself in a kind of conflict heated situation, you have a natural instinct to want to self support, self survive, right? So mm-hmm. I don't blame the guys who don't jump up and stop, you know, make it make it the courage that it takes to interfere with something like that. Because I know the the, the psychology behind it, it has nothing to do with their shitty guys. That's not it. Women right. do the same thing. It, it's hard to put yourself in a life-threatening situation or if you feel it's a threatening situation. Now, and I have been in situations where guys did stand up and say, wait, 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 don't, don't, don't do that. We've got a lady present. It's not acceptable. I don't like it. I don't like what you said. I've so both I've had both in, Mm -hmm. in different situations, different places, different businesses. Well, that's good. And I, it's good to hear that people don't stand for it. I, I have witnessed not necessarily that, but I think more so with like racism, you know, very few instances, mm-hmm. but from what I can see, you know, for the most part, somebody jumps up and stops it. Like they don't, and it's, it, yeah. it only takes one, one person to impact somebody like that, to have such a profound negative effect. And it could be one on a thousand, but it feels, it feels much, it feels like that sore thumb that's sticking out. Um, but I think it's important to to address, especially for those who yeah. are looking at the industry and to realize that, you know, there's a huge, those people exist. You're going to come, like you said, you're going to come come across assholes no matter what you do, no matter where you go. If you walk down the street, you're going to find an asshole. Uh, but there are plenty of people that are, you know, willing to step in and not tolerate sure. it. And you don't have to feel like you're on an island, you know, by yourself. Um, so talk about, you know, your career 
um, after apprenticeship, what that looked like in the field, foreman versus journeyman, what kind of stuff you were doing, like what what do you you as an electrician do every day in the field? Not not your new job today, because we'll get to that. But what were you doing as a as a journey woman um, out of your apprenticeship? I was uh, I went from union to non union, and I was basically doing you know uh, my finished buildings in the beginning, and putting together panels. I like to describe it as think of Terminator, one little device speaking to another little device, or. the human system transformed into a building. <laughs> so that was the foundation. Yeah, so you're and then I power, stepped into construction, distribution and, uh, you know, uh, data centers, data centers. So data centers. Uh, okay. So you were doing EPS, low voltage. I was doing okay, gotcha. medium voltage to low voltage. So st you mm -hmm. would have to step it down and we're, mm -hmm. you could go from, 480, 277, 120, and then you're, you're DC. <laughs> yeah. So basically, uh, for those of you who might not be strong, and and I'm not strong, but <laughs> yeah, when, when a power comes into a building and it's, 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 it's big time, right? It comes in at a big voltage, which is like pressure for water. Um, 480 would be your high voltage usually for equipment in a building. And then 277 or 208 is usually like your HVAC equipment and lighting. And then it goes down to 120, which is your outlets stuff like that. And then anything lower than that is usually like a data cable, you know, all of our, our information that flows through wires. And that's, that's what Leah's talking about. Yeah. So little nuts and bolts, right. Uh, but keep going. I'm sorry. Dead on. You're dead on. That's great. No, no, that that's perfect. <laughs> Excellent <laughs> description. Okay. <laughs> then in construction, totally, totally different down and dirty in lifts. Uh, installing from the ground up. So running MC, um, I did a lot of lighting. I did a, li a little bit with medium voltage, not much. So some splicing, but the construction was exhilarating because there's something new every day. And you're constantly put in situations where you're challenged. So being up in the ceiling and having to contort as you're wiring something, sweating profusely, cracking joke experience. Was there shitty days? For sure. <laughs> For sure. But on the majority, it was fantastic. And I learned so much. And I'm... I'm always excited to see what's next. So you, you, uh, you don't, you obviously have a very strong feminine energy. You are not, uh, you don't have like bulging muscles or anything like that. Not a ton of testosterone running through your body. Right. No. What is that <laughs> been like? Because I think, I think that's another thing, right. Is that a lot of women especially think that, you know, you got to have all these, you know, you, you got to be a man, you, you got to lift and be strong and do all these things. And I, I actually think if anything out of electric, the electric, the electrical world, out of all trades, a little dexterity and a little patience probably helps. And it's, it's usually one of the highest paying trades. So talk about your, your physical attributes 
and how that's impacted your ability as an electrician? So I no longer need to go to a gym. I'm in the best shape of my life (laughs) (laughs) from the job. Uh, I cannot compete with the men physically, physically cannot compete with the men, period, period. I cannot. And I don't try. So I focus on the things that I can do, which is using my mind, physics, coming up with clever ideas on how to move heavy objects, or simply asking for help. A lot of the guys, once they feel comfortable with you uh, and accept you as a part of the team, they'll ask you to give them a hand. They're not afraid to, they rather you assist them than them try to hurt themselves. And it's the same Mm -hmm. for me. And now with the tools that we have, I mean, so many different types, uh, such elevated, I can, I can do anything the guys can do, uh, including moving heavy objects. <laughs> I just have to come up with a way using physics to, to and in conduit, um, pulling MC, pulling MC. I mean, it's like, it's like working on like a row machine and like bending conduit can be like a core workout, right? Like there's definitely a physical, aspect yes! to it, but you have the yes! tools to be able to do it. Like you, yeah. Like you don't have to be, and I mean, not a, let's be honest, like not all guys on a job are in shape either. (laughs) (laughs) We could do better there. We could do better there. Um, You know, last time we spoke, you said something to me that I had never realized. um, And I found it pretty impactful. And it was in regards to, like you said, you can't keep up some of the tasks out there on a job site. You just simply can't keep up with the men. Right. And there's this notion out there, like, you know, Rosie, the riveter women, like we can do anything that men can. Um, talk about how we're created and whether we're, we're equal or not, or whether we need to be and the effect on a team, like the balance between the two, you, you had said something to me and I'd never heard that before. And I just, I think it would be, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but let's see if you know what I'm talking about. Okay. So I want to preface this with everything I'm about to say is about, generality and more often than not. So there are always exceptions to the rule, right? But (laughs) science-based women and men are built differently and we're made to work together because women have advantages that men don't and men have advantages that women don't. So there are many a thing in electrical that I can do and I do better than the men. And there are many a thing the guys can do better than I can do. Okay. So when we come together, it's an incredible team. They've done tons of research on this. (laughs) Having a better balance with male and female brings 10% um, more income on the companies that focus on that. So it, it is an incredible experience to work with teams that have male female dynamic. Nailed it. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I was talking about. So when, when we spoke last time and it was on your podcast, um, you know, you had said that and a, a light bulb went off in my head. I was like, you know what? My favorite teams that I've ever worked with project management teams were actually predominantly women. And, and 
I, I thought about it and I was like, that's because, you know, a lot of my attributes are traditional male attributes that I bring to the table and what the women brought filled all my gaps. You know what I mean? Like, and it wasn't like a, you know, like me delegating down to them or anything like that. It was us next to each other, balancing each other out and becoming a complete team. And I think that's, that's why it was because they brought their feminine energy and what they were good at. You know, like you said, generals, generally speaking, 90% of the time, whatever you want to say it is, you know, the, the things that they were good at were things that I were not good at. And that's why the projects were so successful because we, we completed each other. So I just, I've always, you know, that's been on my mind yes, like ever since then. And yes. you're, the, you're the only person that I've ever heard articulated that way. So um, good for you. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think language is very important. And we, it, humans, we manipulate words. We manipulate sayings, uh, proverbs, traditionally will mean one thing and then we'll turn it into the exact opposite. So using the word equal, in my opinion, is poor language for what we're discussing because it's not about equal. There is no equal. I got news for you. It's about balance. It's about balance. It's about uh, me being able to be set up for the same type of opportunities that you are set up for that it, it this equal thing it it, it confuses people they think 50 50 nothing nothing on this earth other than mathematics is 50 50 <laughs> like it, it it our environment doesn't work that way for a reason it's about balance it's different now Talk, so talk about, let's talk about the opportunity. Cause uh, as predicted, we weren't going to keep this to a half hour, right? Um, but I do want to get to the most recent development <laughs> in, in your career and what's happening. So not in the field anymore, right? You just talk, took a new job opportunity. So why don't you talk about the opportunity that you've been presented with and you know how you feel that is compared to other people? Like, do you feel like you're getting the same shot to go up into, you know, management or up the ladder? So there were certain companies that I felt set up for success. There were certain companies where I felt like the check mark. Okay, we got a female. We're good. Uh, and other companies that was pure hell on earth. Like they didn't want me there. And so I didn't want to be there. You know, don't, I don't understand why you want to fight against the current. Okay. If, if, if you're unhappy where you are because the culture is toxic there are tons of job opportunities tons of companies that you can step into that's going to set you up for success so the company that i'm currently with is a big player in the electrical world and they're international i switched my primary focus my love of building automation into fire alarm so now i particularly work with fire alarm, which personally, I feel building automation and fire alarm are very much aligned. It's life safety. So I feel really proud to do this type of work. And my team, my boss, for the for the first time, I can say I know what a mentor is now. Working for him has been an incredible experience. That's amazing. I mean, I think mentorship outside of a uh, 
I mean, even alongside just a education is the most important thing that you can get. And it's rare because I, I, I don't think a lot of people are a good fit. And I think it's hard to find. Like you said, there's a lot of opportunities that are hell on earth. And that doesn't mean that the yeah. whole industry is bad, right? You just got to find the right one. So right. what are you doing now versus, you know, when you were been in conduit and wiring panels and, and pulling MC cable in the field? So primarily I'm doing uh, service work. So uh, finding ground faults, uh, open circuits, uh, problem solving, fixing. <laughs> Basically, if the fire alarm panel goes down, they call me. <laughs> I also do some small installs, you know, if we're upgrading or something like that. But primarily, uh, I come in when we're fixing things. I've also done inspections. I know what that's like now. That gave me a very good foundation of the code what's required, what that, that looks like. So that was a great experience. There are many different paths as an electrician within fire alarm. <laughs> You've got a fire alarm technician, a fire alarm inspectors. Uh, you have C, uh, CSGs, which in my mind are similar to like a project manager. Engineers building your schematics from the ground up for a fire alarm install. There are many different places you can go with it. And regardless of what happens with the economy, fire alarm is not going anywhere or the maintenance of it, right? Because every single structure that you're in, <laughs> uh, it has to be safe, right? So uh, it is a skill set that will certainly keep you fed. Um, yes. So what would you say? Um, let's wrap this up with what would you say to a young woman that is contemplating the construction industry? I would say you need to investigate. Number one, above all else, is know what your state requires. <laughs> okay, know what your state requires. If you don't know what skilled trade would be best for you, investigate by asking questions, you know, ask if you can shadow someone for the day, get within the networks, listen to podcasts like this one <laughs> or the about sparky construction life, right? careers. <laughs> also sparky life about construction yep. careers. Open yourself up to that community to get a baseline. And then, and this, this goes with, anything you do in life, knowing yourself, introspection is key. So if you know yourself and you know what type of lifestyle you want to live and you have a good foundation of where your strengths are, pick the skill trades that's going to work for you. Now, I feel that every group I've walked into, primarily male dominated, the number one fear is that they're going to say something and you're going to take offense and run to a are. So it's very important that you, you are choosing to step into a male dominated field. It is your responsibility to learn how they communicate. Men communicate differently than women. We have different social norms. I, I can't stand this logic of 
I need everyone else to conform to me and my standards. That's completely insane. I don't go to France and say, all of you've got to speak English to me. It's insane. You must respect that men talk to one another differently. They talk <laughs> and and the way they view leadership and success is very different. I, you know, I, I had a gender bias specialist on my show and learning the way that men communicate has helped me become so successful in a male dominated space. And I didn't have to sacrifice who I am, change my image, be inauthentic in any way. I just needed to learn how they saw certain actions and behaviors, how they use certain language to help communicate where my stand and how I felt regarding certain team activities. You you've got a responsibility any group you step into that's you know a different culture to understand that culture to understand that language and be willing to work on creating clear communication so once the guys felt comfortable with me uh it was fantastic it was nothing they weren't worried they understand i'm a mature adult if you say something i don't like i'm just going to walk up to you and say hey uh i don't like the way that sound Please don't repeat around me. And they have no problem doing that. <laughs> like, oh, my personality type, I have a dirty sense of humor. I'm vulgar. <laughs> you know, so for me, a lot of stuff is like, I don't mind. Now, and right. it's okay if you're a woman and you do mind. You, But just be... I don't like the way that sounds... Uh, it makes me uncomfortable and and do it privately that that's key okay men a, a communication mm. social norm with men if they say something that bothers you the worst thing you could do is call them out in front of other men it's demasculating it, it's challenging and you're going to create conflict if you are respectful to how they communicate with one another and ask him to, hey, can I talk to you a sec? I got a question. I, I, there's something I need to speak to. He bothered me. You know, you're a leader here. The other guys look up to you. And if you make remarks like that, they're going to think it's okay to make remarks like that. And it, it I don't like it. He's going to feel responsibility to be a leader. He's going to step up nine times out of 10 and change, not allow that type of talk or not allow that type of behavior. But you have to, you, ha you have a responsibility too. You have to communicate clearly and in a respectful manner if you want the same in return. I don't even think that that's necessarily, obviously, you know, women need to understand that because it'll benefit them. But I, there's a ton of men that don't get that too. I mean, that's one of the most powerful that's things true. that I've that's been true. able to learn is like, just pull people aside and just talk to them. Like, don't call them out in front of other people. Uh, for a lot of people, yes. that is uh, the key to successful communication and conflict resolution. Um, many men are good at it. Some are not. But the people that uh, that you want to work with definitely, definitely have that skill. So I'm really glad that you said that. I, that was very enlightening. Um, 
and I know we're we're getting close to an hour here. So um <laughs> why don't too much you tell fun. People, I know too much fun. Why don't you tell people uh where they can find you? Um go for you can it. Find where can, me they, where on, can they find you and your content? You can find me on Instagram at Sparky Life of Leah. We are stepping into YouTube now, still testing the waters there. But the podcast is on any platform that you would find podcasts on, and it's Sparky Life. Awesome. Well, Leah, thank you for coming on on a Saturday morning when I'm sure you have other things that you'd like to do. And uh, this uh, is wish y'all wonderful. <laughs> wish wish y'all the best. I don't think this is the last time that we're we're gonna do this. I think we might have to do it again. Um, so go follow her. Um, I will share, I'll share her content, um, later this week when, when some of this stuff goes up, but, um, appreciate you for coming on and enjoy your weekend. Thank you. You too. Out.